So hello, Peyton. Hi, Courtney. And hi, hi. everyone else. Hi, everyone. It's This is the greatest story ever told. Today, we're going to be talking about 2 Samuel. Yeah, 2 Samuel, I guess I will say that I didn't really like reading this book so much. I really did not like reading this book. Okay, yeah, I um was really close to giving up. If I told, no, that's not I, no I, this is well. Okay, it's kind of true, actually. Ooh. Second Samuel. This is the first time where I had the same feeling. Where I was like, "Is this a bad idea?" Yeah. Like I was like, Second like Samuel project sucked ass." Is a bad idea. Well, the project is not a bad idea. The project is a good idea. But I was like, "Is this?" It was just kind of like yeah, a similar feeling where I was like, "What if I just stopped?" Yeah, I know. And that's like, I think how bad second Samuel is yeah. like, and maybe it has more to do with like, okay, we read some stuff that sucked in the beginning, but even this, like, I would rather read Leviticus than this. Okay. So I have a few things straight out the gate that yeah. I will say about second Samuel. Uh, the more I thought about, the more I was realizing like second Samuel as a standalone book might not be the worst book we've read, but combined with everything else we've read this was especially tough and I think for me there's a few reasons one the Lord is like not very present in these stories anymore and I as much as I hate the Lord I miss him and I think like he brings like the some of the more interesting storylines into the Bible and now we're just stuck with these people who like are starting to get pretty boring yeah the Lord like pops in from time to time, but yeah. it, it seems more like people's opinion. I mean, he comes up a little bit, but it's he not does, very often. But, he, it's but it's like, like the other books were almost being told or not all of them, but some of them were almost being felt like they're being narrated by God. Yeah. And in some ways that felt like a little more magical and interesting and yeah. scary, but I kind of like to be scared. I don't know. I guess we can just like start going through it, but like, what are some of your other reasons? One of my reasons one of my beefs is one of my beeves to use the language of um the first couple bible. of books yeah the bible um is that samuel is not in second samuel yeah period. it's curious why they chose to call it second samuel if he's fully dead no exactly this book to me was just like an, a huge flop like oh, yeah. it's a huge flop and it also felt like okay I'm trying to like set the scene like what is this book what is this book to me it's like a bad sequel so what it kind of feels like is actually the second book in a trilogy because I feel that yeah even though like it's not going to be like because something about a sequel sequels at least feel a little bit like more intentional this book yeah. really doesn't feel like a lot of it just feels very like blah, like okay, like here's some stuff that happened. Like it doesn't feel very organized. It doesn't feel well-written. It doesn't seem like whoever wrote it cared about it. And like- Oh my God. I put that, I wrote that in my notes. I said, whoever is writing this doesn't give a shit. No. And and or is just being really lazy. Totally. And there were like full-on mistakes. Like there were full-on things that were like, "Mm, well, in the last book you said these two wives were like captives, you know? Like there were moments where it was like, a huge part of the last book was like, this person was dead and now they're like alive. There were two moments where I was like, this is just wrong. This is not good. I think we have to trudge on and yes, we do. listeners, we do. We readers, I think, I think that we're going to get through it together. And Peyton and I are like, we care. If the writers of Second Samuel don't care, that's on them, but it will not be on we, us to not care. Yeah, we care. So, okay. So the book starts, um, refresher from First Samuel, Saul is dead. Um, and I realized we forgot to, I don't know what the 
isn't that important, but we forgot to mention last week how Saul dies, but he does kill himself or he gets injured and then he kills himself. Yeah. Then, which is kind of interesting. He asks, doesn't he ask someone? He asks his armor bearer, I think, to kill him. And that his armor bearer is like, no, I won't. Or maybe it's his like friend or something like that. And then he falls on his own sword, which that's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. Um, that's all killed himself. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it fits in with Saul's character. Yeah. Um, it's a fitting death for Saul. I'm also doing something a little different this time. And I think it speaks to what we're saying about second Samuel. So usually I take notes, like really notes in a notebook. And then I type them into my computer so that I can like relearn them. And I couldn't bring myself to do that with second Samuel. I just have my regular notes. I almost, I, cause what I do usually is I don't type mine, but I, I write them in a notebook. And then usually before we record, I'll skim them. Yeah. And I say, I sat down to do it and was like, I can't do it. I read, I no, read I one little bullet point was like "Mm -mm." no it's crazy I don't know what happened and so I'm looking at my notes too and I want to laugh because the first note I wrote was I'm glad to be back I feel embedded in this story and I know where we are you know like the first moment where you're like oh like this is a long story like oh my yeah because second Samuel is just a continuation but basically it starts Saul is dead A, a messenger is sent to David and his people to like bring the news that yeah Saul and his armies have failed and I really like okay so it's it says like the messenger is like dirty and it says that there's like earth on his head oh which I think means like there's dirt. like dirt on his head but I I imagine like a little pile <gasps> a perfect pile of dirt on the top of his head with like one little plant sticking out that's like so a cartoon cute. yeah like, wait what is that daisy head like, Maisie what do you remember daisy head Maisie no daisy had Daisy had Maisie was a little girl. She was a Dr. Seuss character, I think. And she had a daisy in a pot on her head. And she was Daisy head Maisie. Oh, that is the exact style of like illustration of the dirt I was imagining. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So Daisy head Maisie comes to find David mm-hmm. and gives him the news. And he's sad. They're all like sad, but it's confusing. And like the Philistines know. won. And then I have the note. Oh, David kills the messenger. He kills the messenger, but it's because, so he's like, how do you know? How do you know? And the messenger, isn't he like, because I, I killed him. Oh, is it? I could, I didn't write down why he killed him, but like David is like so sad, which I thought was weird because of how much Saul wanted to kill David. And then, yeah, he kills the messenger. The, like, yeah, it's because he killed him. It's because he's the one that killed Saul. He oh. says, he's like, how do you know that Saul and Jonathan are dead? And he's like, I happened behind this is what you were thinking of was Saul killing himself it's in second Samuel he's like he's like I happened by them and Saul was there leaning on his spear and he he looked and saw me and he was like hey come here and he said I'm an Amalekite and he said unto me again stand I pray thee upon me and slay me for anguish has come upon me because my life is yet whole in me so I stood upon him and slew him. I think that he like pushed him, like stood on him and pushed him down onto the sword because he asked him to kill him. Oh shit. Okay. And so David is so mad and then he has the Amalekite killed. That's basically the first chapter. That's right? basically the first chapter. Like David kind of freaks out and he's like, oh, he starts to think, how are the mighty, how are the mighty fallen? I think how the mighty have fallen might come from second Samuel, oh. that saying. But he's like, how are the mighty fallen? Saul and Jonathan. He's like, Chapter one, verse 26 is a sweet verse about Jonathan. I am distressed for thee, my brother, Jonathan. 
very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. Okay, they're like confirmed gay. Confirmed gay. How are the mighty fallen and the weapons of war perish is how the chapter ends. I also had this crazy moment where I like read that little verse and I was like, what? Like, first of all, I was like, whoa, okay, confirmed. He's literally like, your love is that like more than an I would love a woman. Like I love you. Um, Um, But yeah, so anyway, I thought that was interesting. Okay, and then chapter two starts with the mistake, which he says, it came to pass after this that David inquired of the Lord. He's like, shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord says to him, go. And David's like, where? And he says, go to Hebron. And then he's like, David went there and his two wives came with him. And it's like, well, no. Like in the last book, we had to be very sad because the two wives were taken captive by the Philistines. Like, what's up? Do you think they just you know? like skipped over them being released? I mean, something? maybe, or it's, I just felt like it was the same thing where it was like careless. It was yeah. just like reckless writing. Um, and then the so, house of Judah, he goes there. The house of Judah officially anoints David king. So now he's finally actually the king. Like there was yeah. kind of all this will he won't he with the Saul, like, and now Saul is dead. The, the house of Judah anoints him king. But... So in chapter two, there's this, there's a whole bunch of crazy shit happens. So, but it's not crazy in the good way of like Genesis It's crazy in the way where I'm like, this is reckless and it, no one's motivations make sense. So he goes there, David is anointed. And then it's brought up that Saul's son, Ishbosheth, he is made King of the other Israelite families. The other Israelite families decide like, no, no, Saul's son is going to represent us. And so then in chapter two, Verse 13, the weirdest battle happens at a pool. You guys can't see, but I just pulled my eyes. Um, I <laughs> fucking hate this part. There's so many part like moments in Second Samuel. This is the first one where I was like, I don't even care to try and understand what's going on because this yeah. is so confusing. Almost feels like intentionally confusing. Yeah. Actually, no, you're you, I think what you said is right. It feels careless. It's, it's like reckless. You, whoever wrote this shit, is it feels like reading like a high schooler's essay, mm-hmm. like a high schooler who wrote an essay and didn't give a shit about it and like might not be the, a great writer. It There's a lot in this little section. I mean, the whole book that feels like, whereas in first Samuel, everyone had very clear motivations and there were, you know, you know where everyone was coming from. Even if they were complicated, like Saul, we could understand him. None of the characters in second Samuel like I couldn't cast them for example I can't think of somebody oh, to to play them shot. like they don't have any they don't have any traits and so basically this um rivalry is set up between David and the descendants of Saul who think that they Israel should be theirs that they should be in charge and so there's all of these battles and wars and that's kind of what most of the drama quote-unquote drama in this book comes down to but it's like it's so kind of stupid and irrelevant to like I can't see any way where the things that happen in this book could be relevant in the future is kind of what I'm saying yeah I can't see any way that it's relevant even to the story of God like it just seems like we're not learning anything new so basically but I do want to talk about this crazy weird thing that happens at a pool so the people of Judah are following David Everybody else is following Ishbosheth. They're these like two sides. And this guy Ishbosheth is Saul's son. Yes. Saul's son. And this guy Abner is kind of like uh, working on behalf of the Saul people. Uh-huh. And they decide to have um, this meeting. So, like, 
Joab, who's on David's team this whole time. Joab is on David's team. Abner is on Ishbosheth's team. But they're all Israelites. They're all Israelites. That's they're all also just fighting confusing. over. There is now internal conflict. Yeah. With the Israelites, yes. they are fighting each other. Yes, and they're doing it by gathering up groups of themselves, like some of the David's people, some of the Saul people. They meet up at a pool, the pool of Gibeon, and they sit down one group on one side and one group on the other side. And I imagine it as a swimming pool, a modern chlorinated swimming pool. I know that's not what it is, but that's how I see it exactly. It's a fight at a pool party. And I like, imagine like a cartoon oasis. Okay, that's cute too. But for me, that's it's definitely not what it is either. It smells like chlorine. Like I smell it. I, my feet feel the chlorine like on uh, the bricks. I love that feeling. I know. Then they just decide to absolutely throw down. And there's like 12 on 12 is the, it's 12 people against 12 people. And then they each catch each other by the head and thrust their sword in the fellow's side. So they all fell down and died at the same time. That's impossible. Impossible. Everyone stabs and kills each other. So all 12, all 24 people collapse to the ground, bloody stab. And then there's another battle during this battle. At some point, there's someone named Asahel and which is cool that there's someone named Asahel. And so it's the weirdest battle. Abner loses the battle by some weird technicality. So like David's people are kind of in charge. And Asahel is from the David group in chapter two, verse 23. Asahel, okay. Asahel just starts chasing Abner, like following, running right after him. And apparently Asahel is like really, really fast. That's his quality. Asahel was light, as light of foot as a wild roe. And Asahel pursued after Abner. And in going, he turned not to the right hand nor to the left from following Abner. Then Abner looked behind him and said, art thou Asahel? And he answered, I am. And Abner said, turn thee aside to thy right hand or to thy left and lay thee hold on one of the young men and take his armor. But Asahel would not turn aside from following him. Abner's like, stop following me. And Asahel's like, no. And so it's like this crazy childish pool party <laughs> fight. And then Abner says again, he's like, stop following me. And he's like, he's like, like in a battle, obviously that's what you do i know and and asahel won't turn aside howbeit he refused to turn aside so abner with the back end of the spear smote him under the fifth rib and the spear came out behind him and he fell down and died in the same place and he came and it came to pass that as many as came to the place where asahel fell down and died said still so like asahel that's like how he died in the battle he was like chasing him and then amr kills him and then of course Joab and Abishai, those are, oh my God, I hate this so much. They are- No, do you think everyone's going to even understand this? I don't like, know. I still but, don't understand So, that. okay, the, the whole thing that needs to be understood is like, they're really mad that their brother Asahel got killed by Abner, but Abner killed him because he was chasing him. And like, it causes these problems because they're just like, they're like, they start to understand that we're like, we're fighting each other. We don't need to fight each other, but no one will give up. And- they stop fighting. Like, this is what I mean about this. They just stop fighting. Like one of them blows a trumpet. He's like, please. And they're like, it's so no. stupid. I know it's truly goes like this. It goes 24 people go to the pool. They all run and charge at each other, stab each other. One guy named Asahel chases somebody else. And the other one's like, stop chasing me. And he doesn't stop. He kills him. And then somebody's like, do we really need to fight? And everyone's like, no. And then they blow a trumpet and then they just stop fighting and nothing is resolved. And then no. we go to chapter three. Okay. I, I More hate internal fighting. Two. So chapter three, David has some sons. Abner. The conflict is, is not over. Like they're still no. fighting. Because like Abner is still around and he is like becoming strong for the house of Saul. Yes. Um, and then Ishbosheth accuses Abner of sleeping with Saul's concubine. 
And then Abner is pissed off for being accused. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it says, we don't know as readers if that's true or false, do we? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Okay, so then in verse 12, Abner decides he wants to make a deal with David to sort of reunite the Israelites. Mm-hmm. Um, David's response is, yeah, we can do that, but only if you give me your wife. Or no, 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 wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. I'm confused. David says, yes, we will reunite, but I need my wife back. It's his wife that is somehow with Abner. Okay, so it's Saul's daughter, who's now, I guess, I didn't know if he was with Abner, but she's with somebody because it's Saul's daughter who remember when a long time ago when Saul tried to trick David, he was like, oh, into you can marry my daughter, daughter, but you have to give me a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And Saul gives him a hundred or sorry. Oh my fucking God. Okay. David gives Saul a hundred foreskins, but then he doesn't give him his daughter. He like double crosses him. Her name is Michael. I said McCall. (laughs) McCall. (laughs) Her name is McCall. And um, so he wants her. And so Abner's like, okay, fine. And then this is sad. Verse three sixteen. Her husband follows along behind her, just weeping, like, and he like can't do anything about it. But then Joab chases Abner and kills him for ha- what what happened to Asahel. So one of David's people then kills him. And and I wrote this note here. That's just everyone's motivations are crazy, and everyone seems like a robot that's malfunctioning like even david in that moment who's being like yeah we can make an alliance and he's like but i won't show you my face like he does the weird thing where he says i won't show you my face yes we can make an alliance Mm, you have to bring me this wife that's supposed to be mine because i got all those foreskins and then he brings him and then his little assistant kills abner and it's like everyone's just like ding 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 ding." wait and then David is pissed off at Joab because yeah. I don't think he want he didn't want him to kill Abner. So David yeah. tells Joab that his family is going to get leprosy and like always be hungry. Yeah, oh, it feels it's like-, like it feels like the most complicated, nonsensical like yeah. high school drama where you're like like trying to follow the drama within like a little click of yeah. high school, like hot girls and boys, you know. Um, um, well, moving on to chapter four. Yeah, at a certain point, the Israelites are happy and they have one king. It's in chapter three, around 38. It's kind of saying like the Israelites are happy. They have one king. It's David. And he says that everyone who who is responsible for killing Abner is going to be punished for their wickedness. And that's kind of when he goes into what's going to happen to the Joab family. So now we're in chapter four. So in chapter four, there's this book is also confusing because there are one million goddamn characters and they're they also frequently we're pretty frequently referenced people who are dead so okay yes that's what i was saying in chapter four it's like all these people are fucking dead it's all sons right yes so in chapter four there so jonathan who is saul's son but is dead had a son obviously before he died who can't walk it says he's lame in both of his feet this son's name is mephibosheth which also like, oh my God, we no, can't keep doing this. No, we can't talk about someone named Mephibosheth. It's like Ishbosheth and Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth? Like, I don't know. Maybe that's mean to say, but like, I, it's like, I, I can deal with David, but. It's like adding insult to injury. Like I, it took me forever to get it into my head that his name was Mephibosheth. I had to sound it out like 17 times. Yeah. So yeah, there's Mephibosheth and he will be, um, he's part of this book for a while. So the other thing that, I noted that happened in chapter four is that some of David's men sneak away and kill Ishbosheth. Yes. 
and David is pissed and cuts up their hands and feet and hangs them. I literally already forgot who Ishbosheth is. Yeah, it's Saul's um, son. That was son. like. But the thing is, my Wait, note so on Saul's that. Saul's son Jonathan died, but Ishbosheth didn't die. I guess Ishbosheth didn't. I hate um, this. But my note for that part truly was underlined. This story should be over. Yeah, like, I have, I, and we're just starting. I have an all caps feeling bored. Dot dot dot. Yeah, chapter four. Feeling bored already. So anyway, oh my god! Like I would rather just talk about peeing during therapy than Me even dip back into this. Um, yeah, they sneak over. They kill Ishbosheth. No one cares. Chapter four seven uh, was something I don't even care about. Chapter four also says David is being perfect again, and he's like, this also pissed me off about this book because the whole thing that happens is. Somebody kills someone on David's behalf over and over and over again, like this. Like, okay, they killed Abner. He's like, don't kill Abner. They killed Ishbosheth. He's like, how could you do that? Like, people are doing it for him. He's not asking anyone to do it. And like, it's all about David just being perfect. Like, he's like never happy that his enemies were killed. And it's like, it's so, it feels really heavy handed too, because mm-hmm. it's like, look how good of a king David was. And it's like, oh, I oh, know because it just, he was so merciful. It's like, I don't give a shit. It feels kind of like propaganda. I'm like, yeah. there's no way David was this good. I mean, there is something like later on in the book where I was like, okay, finally David like yeah. something fucked up. But totally. Yeah, it's like this little amazing baby David is like, don't kill my enemies. Like, what are you guys doing? It's like, then, no, you obviously want them to. Yeah. Well, or like you have to ask too, or like I have to ask myself, like at what point are they going to listen to him? Like, it's like, on one hand, David is like, whose fault is it really? Because yeah. it's like, David is like, don't kill my enemies. But at the same time, he's like, don't kill my enemies. And then they just keep on doing it. Like, you know. But it also makes you wonder, like, what kind of leader is David if everyone keeps going behind his back? Totally. Is he like a lazy piece of shit who can just get walked all over? That's what it sort of seems like. Or is he just like, so boring that people are like okay we have to do something and just like sneak around and murder i don't know i think he's probably giving mixed messages i think so too and like maybe all of his thing actually about being like i don't want you to kill my enemies is fake it seems that's like it where the mix yeah that's where the mixed messages are coming from so chapter five um i don't know nothing in that chapter really well, mattered too much to me except one... for david was 30 when he became king and i think that's cool well, in chapter five, David conquers Jerusalem, which becomes the city of David, which I feel like that's kind of significant. And yeah. he gets a palace. Oh, or in wait. verse 24. Wait, wait, wait. I have something that I actually did think was cool. Okay. Something that I've been noticing about the Bible and I would love to talk more about is gift giving in the Bible, I think is really cool in some ways because a lot of what the gifts given in the Bible are, are like raw materials. Mm-hmm. You know, like I feel like in the Bible, when somebody gets a gift, they'll be like, we gave them like 20 pieces of bronze and like a, t- a 10 logs and like a bunch of wool or like skin you know? it's like skin yeah sometimes. it's always like these materials i feel like and so in 511 david gets the gift of cedar trees and carpenters and masons like somebody sent people and and cedar to like build this palace and it kind of reminded me of the trend of and I'm just happy because it reminded me of something like visceral that I wouldn't have thought about. But you remember this trend, which I absolutely fucking hated of like cookie making gifts that were like, you would make a gift for somebody and it would be like a jar with like cocoa powder, flour, oh. baking soda. And like, it would have a cloth top for some reason. Yeah. 
yeah. then it would come with like just add eggs and water or whatever like and it would be all this homemade kind of like stupid thing i know and i that it type of gift crash my car no, it makes me mad like it makes me mad to think about it but at the same time there was part of me that always wanted was tempted to give someone a gift like that because i think it's so it's so easy there is a little bit of like magic in the idea of like i'm giving you the pieces and then you put it together into this beautiful thing and it it feels like a little bit i mean it reminds me of kind of shit i would do or was interested in as a kid it might it's kind of like I mean, maybe this is this is pretty different, but like Legos where you get the box and then like you put it together. And there, yeah. were, there were so many things that I really liked as a kid that it was like the gift was the pieces or the ingredients. And then I was putting it together. Yeah. And like that process was kind of like sweet and magical. But like, I think the aesthetics of this, the what thing you're talking about is what yeah. hurts me the most. I just hate the, the like look of it. And also like, yeah. I don't like baking. I think it's annoying, but. I don't like baking either, but I. I think that there's something about the aesthetic, but there is also something about the idea of like, it's one thing if you're giving that to like some, like a kid or something, but the idea of like adult, for some reason I'm seeing like adult women giving themselves that each other as gifts. And it gives me like a sensation. Like, I'm just like, like, I, I can't. Yeah, no, I, I feel you. I can't fully describe it, but it makes I think it's me like it's also a little squirmy. It's also, I think the thing of like the, at one point it was orig an original idea that really, really quickly turned into like a totally unoriginal fall back on like half-ass gift. And something about that is kind of scary that maybe that's what's uh -huh. scary about it. It's yeah. kind of like something I think of could just as easily become like hokey and- Totally. And I think also once it became more mainstream to do that, like giving that gift wasn't interesting because it's a stolen idea that has been stolen a million times at that point. Yeah. And, and but but it's presented as this kind of like, fun like oh my god yeah. look at this thing I'm bringing like isn't this like a fun idea and, and like like project like I'm giving you the ingredients the <laughs> yeah. thing. and it's like you stole someone's idea that stole someone's idea there's it's like no, a lot yeah, of no feeling one... and like stop pretending like it's special because it's, it's no longer someone's idea it's like a I think there's something scary in the way that that is so repeatable and then also it reminds me too of like sorry but I want to talk about this instead of fucking second Samuel which is that like a similar kind of thing something that's in the same vein as this that like I can't even I can barely even like look at head on anymore is like a a gift certificate for something special like when somebody oh gives somebody a gift certificate for like one cooked home cooked dinner like and then they add like um do adults do that okay well this is what I'm telling you is that I was at my mom's house recently and I she has a new boyfriend. And like, I really did not investigate this very far because I saw this thing on the fridge and I was like, <gasps> and I didn't even look at it. Like it was, it made, turned me off so much that like, I didn't even pursue it. And I looked at it every single day, but I would like, I would like blur my eyes. So I wouldn't have to like really dig in. I suspect it was from her new boyfriend. Who's like a really boring guy. Oh my God. I hope my mom doesn't listen to this, but she won't. So, um, <laughs> he's like, just a boring, like generic guy. And, um, there was this note and the only words I could see was like, this certificate cannot be exchanged for like any, like, you know, kind of, and it reminded me of like making those kind of certificates and using the language of certificates on it to kind of try to be cheeky and fun. Like being like, this certificate is not redeemable by anyone else. Or like this certificate oh expires never. Yeah. Like <laughs> at the restaurant, like what restaurants like of your choosing, like this is, um, this ticket is redeemable like 
anytime. You know what I mean? And it's like, I mean, it's a pathetic excuse for a gift. Yes, general. exactly. But it's, it's presented as if it's like this so meaningful, sweet thing. Yeah. I mean, and once again, it's like relying so heavily on like <laughs> aesthetics, but also like the, I don't, I'm like searching for the word. Okay. It's, like, I get what I know what it is. It's like this paradox or, or, or something. Cause it's like, it's relying on this aesthetics of intimacy and sentimentality while also being the most unoriginal thing. Like it's relying completely on it's the thought that counts, but the thought there's no thought. There is no thought. And it's also these gifts are interesting because everyone is lying to each other. Yeah. The person giving the gift is lying to themselves. Yeah. Saying this is a good gift. The person receiving the gift is lying to themselves saying they want the gift. And then they're lying to each other about the gift. It's like the basis of these gifts is scary. Lying. Deceit. Deceit. It's crazy. It's really crazy. But like Like, it fucking works. It's like how? I think it works because of that, because it's based on everyone lying. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of like if one person gives up the lie, like everyone has to. Oh my God, you're right. It's It's like like the perfect It's like in too deep. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's in too deep. They can't escape the gift certificates in the cookie jars. Yeah. It's the perfect crime. And if I ever like, if I ever found myself like so strapped to like have to do something like that, I think I would be like, I I would be really scared. And I would, I feel like there are situations though, where you can't give nothing and it's not for people. It's not for people that you actually care about. It'd be like for like, I'm having this crazy, like trying to think of a scenario where it's like, okay, if it's like somebody, no, 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 that you could always give nothing. I was going to say like, if it was like a family member that you got a secret Santa, okay. You drew somebody's name, like a cousin on secret uh-huh. Santa and um, it's secret Santa and it's the day of, and it's like, it's going to start in like an, two hours and you can't think of anything. I guess you could get a gift card. Yeah. Getting back to the Bible. Um, so we're in chapter six. Chapter, um, right? Well, okay. There's um. Oh wait, there's something in chapter five too. So so he builds his palace. He gets more wives. He has four more kids, and one of them is Solomon, which is going to come up later, I'm sure. Wait. Um. Five thirteen. That's chapter five. Yeah, five thirteen. But weird. David smites the Philistines, and then there's this weird thing. So David is going to battle with the Philistines over and over again, and then every time he's like will you deliver them into my hand? And God is like, yes. And then there's this one time that's actually really weird and kind of funny where he's like, okay, I'm going to battle again. Will you deliver them into my hand? And God is like, I'm going to read it. It's 523. God, there's this business with the mulberry tree. Did you see that? I I was going to, I noted the mulberry tree. I liked that. He's like, when David inquired of the Lord about like, will you deliver the Philistines into my hand again? The Lord says, let it be when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees that then shalt thou bestir thyself for then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David waits to hear the mulberry trees like wiggling around. And then he goes, but I just love that idea because it was like, God was like busy. Like he was like, okay, I'll let you know when I'm ready by shaking the mulberry trees, but I'm actually busy right now. And it's like, what was God doing? Like That's he's always question. available. This is also like, I mean, it's interesting because God's actions are so like invisible at this point. Whereas earlier in the Bible, 
we were kind of pretty aware of exactly what was God, God was doing at all times. And now it's like, why don't we get to know anymore? Yeah, we don't get to know. And he's like, he not only do we not get to know, he's like, well, just wait, wait by the mulberry trees. And like, when I'm ready, I'll come get you. And it's like, you used to be my number one. <laughs> like Maybe there's just so many other people in the world at this point that he's like, I got shit to other do. Other stuff to do. Yeah. I don't know. So uh, are we in chapter six? Now we're in chapter six. Okay, chapter six. David is trying to get the art. And there's a man named Uza. Is that his name? Yes. Uza touches the ark, so God kills him. <laughs> totally. Um, and then that makes David scared of God. It's scared of the, having the ark, I think. Well, oh, okay. But it's like, I guess, kind of in some ways a combination because yeah. scared that God is whatever. Anyways, so then David, like, kind of doesn't really know exactly what to do with the ark. Yeah. Sort of. That's what it seems like. Yeah. And then he does this kind of shady thing where he, pawns it off so this guy Uza gets killed for touching it and then David's like mm, I don't know if I want to have that ark around my house and so he just pawns it off on this other family because he's scared of it and he like he basically uses them as a guinea pig he's like oh, if, if you guys are okay having the ark for a couple of months then I'll take it and like they end up being safe and then they get blessed but then David takes it and then chapter 6 oh verse God. 14 David dances before the Lord with all his might I hate the idea of him dancing before the lord it sounds so embarrassing I i'm know. like so embarrassed for him i know so he dances before the lord and then mccall or whatever <laughs> saul's daughter who is david's wife sees him do this from her window and she's like that's gross yeah she was like she that's like, not cool she like hates that he does it yeah um which i, I actually love because really relate to that feeling. me too because i i was already embarrassed for him and then it's then she was like, stop doing that. Like, I, like, I need to say something. Cool. Nicole's yeah. kind of amazing. But so then she's like, you should, be, she basically says that he should be embarrassed because of the way he acted his, and because of his dancing, specifically in front of the maidservants for some reason. And then <laughs> basically it says that, be, it doesn't say it's because of this, that she's like rebuking David specifically, but then it, it's like, and then Nicole doesn't have any kids. Yeah, I think it actually is like David, like, He's like, fuck you. And then the Lord is like, oh, you can't be mad, be mean to David. You don't get kids. Yeah. No, David says this. He says, yeah, she says, you uncovered yourself today in the eyes of the handmaids of your servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David says to her, it was before the Lord, which chose me before thy father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play before the Lord. And I will yet be more vile than thus and will be base in mine own sight. And of the maidservants, which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child unto the day of her death. Like he tells her off so hard that she has no child until she dies. And it's, it's like, she just was like, you look stupid. It's like, yeah, let her say that. He blew up. And like, usually David is so all about being nice, but I guess he, I can imagine really lashing out if somebody like tried to embarrass me. Oh my God, me you too. You know, like if somebody's was, like, oh, you look stupid. I would like be like, I'll kill you. This, I actually don't know. I was thinking about this thing today that happened to me when I was uh, probably in middle school, uh-huh. which I don't know if I was thinking about it because of this, but um, like I used to have to mow the lawn at my parents' house and the lawnmower was like obviously really loud. And uh-huh. I would like sing really, <laughs> really loud while I mowed the lawn. <laughs> And one, one time my, I was more than one and my dad was having like a meeting outside with some man who I have no idea who this man was. And after I finished mowing the lawn, 
I like come inside. My dad was like, hey, so whatever. This, he was like, yeah, this man, we'll just call him like Matthew. He was like, yeah, Matthew was like impressed with your singing. And I was like, what? He was like, yeah, you know, like we can hear you sing. And I also remember I was specifically singing the national anthem like over and over while mowing the lawn and then was destroyed like destroyed I was so embarrassed I was like mad at my dad but like not because I don't think he should have told me I'm glad he told me but I was just like I couldn't help but feel anger in that moment because I was so so goddamn embarrassed for myself and I think back to that all the time and I feel so embarrassed still but it's like I, I get like David's insane reaction. Yeah, lashing I, out. I mean, my reaction isn't, I'm like, my instinct isn't to lash out. But to this day, I think that's one of the most embarrassing things that's ever happened to me. <laughs> I love the idea so much of like, and I feel like I've, I can't think of one right now, but I know that situation where you think you are like hidden, like you're like, oh, no yeah. one. I mean, it happens on a, to a lesser degree, like a lot to me when I'm like, run, like sometimes when I go running, I sing or like when I am really? walking. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> when I'm walking, I just sing. And like, I typically try to make sure no one's really around. Oh my God. This just brought back a memory of about a week ago. I was in the park with a stroller and a baby at work. And I was strolling and I do this a lot when I think I'm alone to sing to the baby. And so I like, sing really loud. I was singing really, really loud to the baby, this like Elliot Smith song. Like it was crazy, like singing loud, this like crazy, sad song, <laughs> leaning down into the stroller to like, so that he could hear me. And then this person re revealed themselves as being right beside me. Like they like came into my view and I was singing loud and I kind of had to like even change my way of singing to see more like the way a person would sing to a baby. You know what Instead I mean? Instead of like, just like normal singing? Like, well, cause I was singing to the baby, but it was like, I was singing, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah, I was yeah. like really singing. And when the person came up beside me, I had to change it. And I almost used the baby as an excuse for the singing. And so like adjusted my singing to be like, I don't care. I'm not really trying to sing, you know, I'm, it's just for him, Yeah, you know, and like tried to communicate all this kind of by my voice and how I was singing. And it was it, really embarrassing. Yeah. And like, my heart was like, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. Like my heart was beating. Cause I was like, I have to get away with this somehow. Like I have to get away with this. It's like the worst feeling. And it's feels very like, like singing and dancing <laughs> both can be the, some of the most embarrassing things yeah. you can do or be seen doing. It's not as embarrassing if you're supposed to be dancing. Like if I'm somewhere and I'm supposed oh, to be dancing, yeah, yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah. matter. Like I'll dance forever, you know, but like, if you're somewhere like if you're dancing, you're having a moment, you're dancing and you aren't somewhere where you're supposed to be dancing. It really is like a flight or flight moment. Like yeah. you're just like, like, it's like I'm terrified. And yeah, so that must be where David was at in that moment when she's like, I like you, really relate. Yeah, that's actually true. It makes sense that he behaved out of character because he was really embarrassed about the dancing. Um, okay, so chapter seven. There's some rest from the enemies. There's like peace. Who cares? Whatever. Oh, seven, two. I have a note. That's what the hell. Let's see what that is. Oh, it came to pass when the king sat in his house and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies. So like nothing bad is happening. The king said unto Nathan, the prophet who we have never met, by the way. Oh, yes. I literally wrote who the fuck is Nathan? All, the I know. all of a sudden Nathan is in the book and yeah, God tells Nathan Nathan's a prophet. God tells Nathan that 
he wants David to build a house for him, which I mean, by that, I think he means the Ark. Yeah, I think so. But wait, before that, seven two, the king says, this is the first time we meet Nathan. The king says unto Nathan, the prophet, see now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the Ark of God. Oh my God. Now I understand from what you said. Now I understand. I thought it was some sort of riddle. I was like, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And David said to the king, go do all that is in thine heart for the Lord is with thee. I understand now. I thought it was a riddle, but he's actually, yeah, he's saying like the ark of the Lord deserves to have a house. And the Lord is like, yeah, I want a house. And then like a lot of this book is David just like saying stuff that God has done for the people of Israel, like good things. It's like really boring. There's one, okay, verse 12. I wanted to ask you about this. It says, And when thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. Okay, so when I first read that, I thought about coming out of a bat, because it says... (laughs) (laughs) I will... It says, I will set up thy seed after thee. It's like, okay, come. Yeah. which shall proceed out of thy bowels. What is this talking about? I think... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like so gross. I think basically, well, I just like didn't think you say come coming out of a butt. Like it was just very like, um, I understand completely what it means actually. So okay, when well, thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, when you die, I'll set up thy seed after thee. I'll set up the generations that will follow you, which will proceed out of thy bowels. I think like bowels is kind of a mixed up thing where it's like women like in their stomachs and oh. all that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, or your thing might be right. No, but, like, my thing is not right, but it's like all I could think of. And then I was so distracted by that thought that I couldn't even like begin yeah. to understand what I was actually saying. Anyways, is there, I feel like- This part made like, me feel like God was kind of a, da- a bad boyfriend. He's like- this part is kind of weird because he's like, what can I do? Like David's kind of being like, what do you want from me? He's like, what can David say more unto thee? For thou, Lord God, knowest thy servant. For thy word's sake and according to thine own heart hast thou done all these great things to make me know them. He's kind of being like, I know, I know. Because God is like reminding him of all this stuff. And David's like, I know. What are you trying to get from me? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm doing all these things for you. He's just kind of like, I don't know what you want me to do. And I kind of relate to that because it's like, it feels like um like a bad boyfriend insofar as like I've had boyfriends in the past where it's been like I really don't know what you want from me you know it's like it doesn't seem like you like me anyway it just feels like it's like I don't know David's kind of like I don't really know what you want from me like I get it I understand everything but I just don't know what you want from me that's all and then chapter eight First chapter, I just said David fights and kills more people. And yeah, that's what them. I said. It's David boring. slays. It's boring. Chapter nine. Chapter nine. He says, is there anyone else left from Saul's family so I can show kindness to them for Jonathan's sake? And there's a, there's a, that I thought it was sweet. And there's a servant called Ziba who's like, oh yeah, Jonathan has a son, of course. And so then David Which is adopts Mephibosheth. David adopts him and Mephibosheth eats at David's table. He's very obsessed with him eating at his table. David wants to show kindness to someone. The children of Ammon. I think those are Philistines. Oh, yeah. He helped him, right? They helped him at some point. Yeah, so Hanan doesn't trust David. And then... Oh, yeah, wait. David. This I thought was so funny. So David sends servants to Hanan, um, basically because he's like, I want to show kindness to you. 
And then David Hannon is like, I don't trust you. And so what he does, what Hannon does to David's servants is shaves off one half of their beards and then cuts off their garments in the middle, even to their buttocks and then sends them back. So basically he sends these servants back, back with half a beard and like half of their little clothes. robe cut off at their waist. So in my mind, they're like, but is just out. Yeah. And their, yeah. their penis. I mean, then David's like, stay in Jericho until your beard grows back or something like that. And then there's like war with Israelite, with Israel, Syria, Ammonites, whatever, boring. Yeah. The rest of chapter 10, I wrote, I can't do much more of this fighting. Like, this is so stupid. They're just fighting. They're just yeah. having fucking battles all the time. Chapter 11, like, I, oh, this is also such a famous thing. Like, David yes. seeing her bathing. Ashiba. This is like so, an iconic story. But it's one fucking verse. I know. Like, it doesn't, nothing happens. Like, I, I, I think thought this would be like, like a the, big story. I think it's because it's the one, the reason I think it might be so big is because, well, one, because it's like so horny. It's like, obviously it's really all these like horny Christians were obsessed with the story because it's like, he's on his roof and he sees Bathsheba taking a bath. And I think it says that she's like hot. Yeah, she's yeah, very beautiful. Yeah, it basically says she's hot. All these horny Christians were like, yes, hottie, like pouring water over her tit like I'm yeah. sure there's oil involved there's probably like flowers like floating in the bath anyways mm-hmm. David sees her bathing on the roof and he sends for her and they have sex and she gets pregnant and then she is the wife of this guy Uriah who's a Hittite and yeah David gets her pregnant and then and once he finds out he does this like really fucked up thing with Uriah oh, that yeah. was like I, I understand what he did. Kind he, of weird. Yeah. Just, yeah. They're you, going into battle okay. and David wants Uriah dead, but he's not going to like kill him, but he wants Bathsheba. So he tells like his captains of the army to put Uriah in a place where he's definitely going to be killed. Oh yeah. They put him like in the front and like where they're like the other team or whatever, the other team where they have like strong soldiers or whatever. And so he gets killed in battle, but it's like totally on purpose. It's like a weird way of murdering him. And this greatly displeases the Lord. Yeah, I think he, David is going to be punished. Nathan is sent to David. Oh, so yeah, this is an interesting thing. Yeah, so Nathan, who again, like Nathan, is sent to David to like rebuke him, but it's with this weird like allegory. It's really cool. Um, It is cool. Um, Like Nathan, after, after David takes Bathsheba, Nathan comes up to him and he's like, listen to me he's like there's a city and there's a rich man and a poor man and the rich man has tons and tons and tons of cattle and the poor man has one and the lord needs a sacrifice and the rich man takes the cow from the poor man and sacrifice it like takes that cow and uses that and what do you think should happen in this case and david is like um reverse psychology like what is it where it's like it's not reverse psychology it's where you like tell a story and you have to see yourself he's like oh that's a bad man that's an evil man the rich man and nathan said that says thou art that man like that's basically what you did yes with uriah and with bathsheba and you're going to be punished yeah and so david Um, is punished by having one of his kids his sons die um um, so solomon is born david conquers the people of Rabbah and then he takes it says that he takes the crown off the king's head which I kind of liked that I like that too um and um, then chapter 13 there's this crazy story of Ammon and and Tamar Tam- oh I said Tamar I was thinking of Tamar Braxton 
Oh. Um, there's this guy named Ammon. He's in love. Amnon or Ammon? Ammon. He's in love with his sister, Tamar. And he meets up with his friend who he's like, his wait, sister named Jonadab, who is a subtle man. First of all, I loved that Jonadab was a subtle man. I know. It's like, Jonadab is a subtle man. Like, and so he gave you him know a what it, crooked You know what advice. I think of when it says that? I think of like, you know, like guys that do like these fingers. Yes, it's subtle. That's exactly sub-till. what it is. No, you can't see what I'm doing, but... The, it's so the like first... when an evil person puts their fingertips together. Yeah, you face. know that thing where they, like, wave their fingertips together? Okay, the first verse is crazy. It says, And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. So Absalom has a sister named Tamar, and it's so confusing because they're all children of David. I think that they're probably they all brother... Different... Mother. I think they have different mothers and probably Tamar or Tamar and Ammon are from the same mother. That's what I was assuming too, but I was, I, he seems more protective of her. I had to read this so many times, but yeah. So Absalom or wait, is Absalom the one? No, Ammon loves Tamar. Ammon loves his, Tamar. Who... This half sister probably. And it says like he loves her because she's a virgin. It's like really gross. And then what is his name? Jabba. Jonadab comes up with this like horrifying plan for Am- Ammon yeah. to get his sister, which is basically he's like, okay, Ammon, do this thing, which Ammon does. He pretends to be sick, then makes David send for Tamar to make him cakes. Um, mm-hmm. And then he like won't eat the cakes. And then he like sends everyone away, but calls Tamar back and is like, I want you to feed me meat from your hands. And then she comes back to do that and he's like, let's have sex. And she's like, no, it's shameful. Um, and she says that you'll be a fool in Israel if we do this. And then Ammon rapes her. He rapes her and then um, immediately hates her. Yes. It says he, what does it say? It says, anyway, it says he's then, Ammon hates hated, her. then Amnon hated her exceedingly so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, arise, be gone. It's like, what a fucker. And she says, the evil in sending me away is greater than the other that thou didst unto me. But he would not hearken unto her. And he um, sends her out and locks her out. And then Absalom finds out and he makes a plan to get Amnon drunk and kill him. And um, he does it. Absalom kills Amnon. And then he, uh, and then Absalom names his own daughter Tamar. And David um, finds out and is like mad. And oh, sad. yeah. And chapter 14, there's another, so this kind of made me learn about David's personality more because, so he had that one riddle told to him about Bathsheba. And then in 14, there's another one, like, because the king is really mad at Absalom, David, and he like wants to kill Absalom now. And this wise woman comes and she says, I have to tell you, she's like, I need your help. I have to tell you a story and I need your advice. And he's like, okay. And she tells this story. That's like, I'm a widow and my husband is dead. And I have two sons and they worked in the field and no one ever came between them, but one killed the other one. And the whole family is risen against me and they want to kill my other son. So one of my sons killed my second son. And now everybody in my family is so mad. They want to kill the first son. Uh And she's like, I don't think that's right because then all of my sons are taken away from me. And he's like, you're totally right. You shouldn't kill the other son. And then again, she's like, well now, ding, 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 don't you see? That's what you are going to do 
when you wanted to kill Absalom. And he's like, hey, did my family send you? And she's like, actually, yeah. And then he like forgives, I know. And then he forgives Absalom and he kisses him. He says that Absalom can come back, but David's like, I won't see your face or something. And then in verse, in in verse 25, so it says, but in all Israel, there was none to be so much praise as Absalom for his beauty. From the sole of his foot, even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. So Absalom's like hot head to toe. He's like haughty face, body. And then it says, and then, and when he pulled his head for his every year's end that he pulled it, which is, I think, cutting, he, the the hair that he cut off was like really, really heavy. So he had like a huge head of hair and was just Uh like hot as fuck. Yeah. Um. Um, so let me he's like him looking more. good yeah Absalom is hot he's definitely interesting and in that way <laughs> by being hot um and anyway in chapter 15 Absalom camps out and he decides just kind of of his own accord he's like I want to be a judge and they're like well you're not really a judge and he's like I'm gonna be a judge and it kind of says he just starts acting like one and behaving as a judge and then he steals the hearts of Israel so like everybody starts regarding him as a judge and he steals the hearts of Israel and it made me feel like remember that phrase that used to get thrown around a lot that was America's sweetheart oh yeah like Meg Ryan so like Absalom is kind of the Meg Ryan where it's like he's not really a judge but everybody kind of like just is like he's America's sweetheart basically and he's just like a pretty man you know it's like he's getting away with a lot because he looks good yeah and so now when everyone's on his side, he decides this is more of the whole cross purposes of second Samuel, where it's like, everyone's motivations are so crazy and everyone needs to chill the fuck out and just yeah. like stop because now Absalom, after all that decides he wants to double cross David and he's going to become the King of Israel. And he's like, he's like all the people in Israel, like me, I'm America's I'm Israel's sweetheart. And so he's like, so everyone's going to follow me and David and his people retreat from the city of David they leave Jerusalem because they're so scared and they don't know what God is going to decide who decide God is going to decide to support yeah and, and it's so like, they, is this not the point at this point like David and his people also like cross back over the Jordan yeah yeah, yeah. they like I think yeah. that they like leave Israel yeah. and because the territory of yeah and they're all out there crying and they're in the forest and David makes a plan to plant um, like bad seeds in Absalom's group. He's like sending people and he's saying like, tell Absalom that you have left me and you want to join him so that you can kind of spy for me and sabotage his plans. And he's like, in the meantime, we'll wait and try to get a word from God to see like what will happen and if they're going to fight us. And David just repeatedly lets everyone like curse him and he never gets mad. They have this big, big battle in the wilderness. And I did like this one quote that the wood devoured more that day than the sword devoured. Yeah. And I think it's saying so like cool. the setting was so much more, was so dangerous that a lot of people died because they were just there, not yeah. because they were like in yeah. this battle. I thought that was beautiful. And then Absalom gets hung up in an oak tree. Like his, he's right. It's like Monty Python. Shit. Like <laughs> he's so like riding crazy. through the forest and he's on a mule and then his head gets stuck in an oak tree and the mule just keeps running and he's like hanging there alive. Yeah. And it's because and, of his hair. I read this in the, another oh. translation and it, his hair gets stuck in the tree <gasps> and then the mule keeps riding and he's hanging from the tree by his fucking hair. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he's 
hanging him. He's hanging by the hair. Somebody tells David and David's like, okay, be gentle with him. Cause I want to talk to him. And then of course, Joab comes up and just kills Absalom with three darts, even though he just said, don't. And then they make a note that Absalom had no son, but he did have a pillar and he named the pillar after himself. And yeah, there's what, like, Absalom's, Absalom's monument, which I did Google image and there is a tomb. The, well, oh. the thing on Google image is tomb to Absalom. And it is cool. a little pillar, but, and then, okay. So Absalom is dead. David is sad about Absalom. So sad. And then David is like mourning Absalom and Joab is like, I, I oh, don't yeah. feel like people think David is embarrassing. So Joab is like, David, it's embarrassing <laughs> that you're like mourning Absalom because like all of your men just like fought in a war and won against him. Um, yeah. And basically like saved your ass. Yeah. And I mean, that doesn't, doesn't really go very far. And then David think- comes back over and becomes king again but yeah Joab is in the right like he goes off on David oh totally he's like you are behaving he said you he says you love your enemies and hate your friends yes and it's like he's like he's like fuck you man like what are you doing like you can't be sad like he's like we just defeated your enemies and you're crying day and it's like when Saul died it's like dude this guy tried to kill you your whole life tons of times yeah Yeah, your whole life so anyway Joab is right Joab is in the right um i don't know david like comes to his senses and then someone named sheba blows a trumpet and the men of israel desert david to follow him this was like also really abrupt someone random person named sheba blows a trumpet (laughs) and the men of israel are like we're gonna go with sheba and then yeah totally leave david but the the men of judah stay with david it's like wait what like yeah all sheba did was blow a trumpet um I can't, yeah, I can't keep up. So whatever. Um, then there's this thing, Joab kills someone named Amasa. I wrote, Joab kills Amasa, confusing, made me nauseous. Like, I, I don't know what that is. I didn't even take a note of that. Also, like, eventually Sheba a wise woman gets defeated and his head gets cut off and thrown over a wall, which I kind of liked. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the wise woman predicted it, but that's all. And I was like, and then I wrote the note too, Sheba is a random guy, question mark. We didn't need it. We didn't need it. Like these writers, it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing with us? You're toying with us. It's making me mad. Like this book is making me mad. So chapter 21, then there's a famine for three years. It's like, stop, 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 stop. Like stop writing the story. Start over. This story is done. It has gotten too messed up. It's gotten too messed up. So then there's a famine for three years. David asks the Lord. The Lord is like, it's for Saul and for his bloody house because he slew the Gibeonites. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And so then David is like, okay, let's ask the Gibeonites what they want to do, how they want to fix it. And the Gibeonites want to hang seven of Saul's descendants and kill them. And that they give over seven of Saul's descendants, but not including Michelle. No, they don't give him. Do they? Oh, they don't. Okay. I think he doesn't because he spares him for Jonathan, which is like a sparkle of something there that Mm. makes sense, you know? And then somebody puts a protective cloth over the seven who were killed. David finds out he goes and gets Saul and Jonathan's bones. And then he collects the bones of these seven members of the house of Saul who were hung by the Gibeonites. Oh my God. I can't even believe I'm saying this. I know. And then the Philistines attack again. And again, I'm like, stop writing this God. There's a damn story. <laughs> There's a random Philistine with six fingers and six toes, which I like. I did love that. I did love that. He had six fingers and six toes on each hand. Chapter 22 is another song. We're not going to sing it. No. So David sings a 
song to the Lord about like how great he is. And we're not going to sing it. I don't even want to talk about it that much, but I will say like the songs are nicely written. Yeah, know? I like, like the when songs. When we've had like... moments where there's like a song or like a sort of prosy thing, it's, they're pretty beautiful. Oh, there was, there's this thing that I thought was really sweet. That was like the God of Israel said, these are the last words of David chapter 23. It says, these are the last words yeah. of David. So like, I don't know what that means. I guess he's about to die, but he's like, the spirit of the Lord spoke to me and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spake to me. He that ruleth over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. And then it says, and he shall be as the light of the morning when the sun riseth, even a morning without clouds as the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. And I think that he's describing how a leader is supposed to be like gentle. Cause I think David's whole thing is gentleness, but it's just like too much. Like David is too soft of a King. And that's what this book is about. Yeah. I mean, and we see the, um, he's singing, the he's crying. That It's like, no yeah. one is like listening to him and everyone's disobeying him. And also people just randomly like ditch him all the time. Yeah. People ditch him all the time. And they're also like, man, like we're doing, we're trying to protect you. And you're like crying and sad. Like you don't, you love your friends more. You love your enemies more than your friends. Like you're too loving. Wait, it's because also you're really making us funny feel bad. because he's like the gay king and he's like so <laughs> bad at being a king. Oh my god, he's because all gay he's king. doing is dancing and crying. And he doesn't oh god, like anything. So oh, he doesn't like to fight. Like no, David is a gay king. He's a bad gay king. I mean, honestly, I don't want a gay king. No offense. Um, okay, like. 23 also lists like all of David's commanders and what they did. So oh, boring. It's um, awful. In chapter 24, whatever. God is mad at Israel again. Why? I don't know. I wrote um, the same thing. Why? No reason. No, no reason. reason. This book needs to be over. This book yeah, needs to be over yeah. 15 pages ago. And now they're like, like, I got so mad when it said that. It was like, and then the Lord was troubled with Israel. It's like, no, honey, this is, the, we're wrapping up this book. Like I we're had, not like, doing anything else. Coming out of my ears. I was like, I cannot do this no. anymore. Uh, God moves David against them. I can't, I don't even care if you want to. I know there's like the one last thing, which is like, God is mad at them. And he does one fun, like sick, annoying God thing, which he's like, you're going to get punished, but you get to choose your punishment. And he gives him. Oh, weird and kind of cool. Yeah. Weird and psycho. He's like, you get to choose your punishment. Your choices are seven years of famine, three months of you running from your enemies or three days of pestilence on the people. And what would you pick? What's pestilence? Like a sickness, a plague. Oh, so it's pestilence, famine, and what was the other thing? Seven years of famine, three days of pestilence, or three months of you running and fleeing from your enemies constantly. I mean, if you're not going to die from being sick, I would definitely just do three days of that. Well, it kills them. The pestilence kills a bunch of the people. (laughs) Unfortunately, I would still choose the three days pestilence. I think I would too, because I'd rather just die than be like dealing with all that shit especially yeah, get if it's it over with. anything in this book i would probably choose death over yeah pro, like a prologue that's what um david Samuel. chooses david chooses and then he's like again like david's last i'm so sweet he's like kill me not them and they're like no and then david has to end build an altar on a threshing floor of some sort and then the plague ends and then the fucking book of second samuel ends <laughs> like second samuel is a piece of shit second samuel is a piece of shit it makes me mad like 
I feel like I was completely disrespected Me by this too. book. I'm it didn't respect my time. People are going to stop listening to the, us because of how bad this. It wouldn't be our fault. I'm sorry, but it wouldn't be know, our it's fault. True. And I like, mean, that's like the whole thing is we can't help what's in the Bible and yeah. how bad it is. I think that what I, I've thought about sometimes when we encounter these books that are like hellish to read and and hard to like make interesting, it's that like this is fun, but there's only so much we can do. Yeah. Like, this is the raw material. Like this is what happens when somebody reads the entire Bible. And like, we can't change that. If this, our like recounting this story is confusing. Like it's because it is confusing. Like, yeah. We're, you know, we obviously probably could be doing a like m- more succinct summary, but like, I think it's good that it's confusing. So you understand like what the reading experience is like. Yeah. It's not confusing because we're stupid. It's confusing no, because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And what we're trying to do is make it make sense. Yeah. So do we want to rank it? I know exactly where I would put it. It's Genesis judges. What we have right now is Genesis judges, Exodus, first Samuel, Deuteronomy, numbers, Leviticus, Joshua, Ruth. I think that that's totally right. That ranking. I really want to put second Samuel dead last. I would I rather think, read I Ruth think the competition than for, Me too, me too. Because it's four pages. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Second Samuel's last. Second Samuel to me is confusing. Don't care. The only thing, if I'm thinking of like, okay, the thing that I've been thinking about recently is me as a non-Christian preacher. I have yes. the fantasy of, I have the fantasy of like um, moving to a small town. Very specifically, here's my fantasy. I move to a small town. I become their preacher. And I preach for a whole entire year, one year, amazing sermons, like kicking their ass. And then at the last day, I tell them I don't believe in Jesus and I never did. And then I run away laughing. Isn't that an amazing fantasy? And so this is what I mean. Being a preacher doesn't really have anything to do to me with like, it doesn't have to make sense. You just have to be able to like write an essay. Can't you see like a sermon being drawn from second Samuel, one of these stories about being like, the forgiveness, like maybe even David's forgiveness of Absalom when he killed Amnon, like, and he kisses him and forgives him and like the power of forgiveness. Yeah, like, it's I could see that being in a sermon, yeah. but it's decontextualized. Cause if you put, think about it in the context of second Samuel, it, it's not, it's meaningless. No, I think that is very interesting and very true. Any of these stories in the context of the entire story of David and Saul and stuff, I've been I've been struggling with like trying to figure out what the lesson is yeah and and I think you really do kind of have to take it out of context or like reapply it to like something more contemporary because the the words and stories that are in the actual text there's not a lot of like good things you're getting out of it or that no and there's not there's not a lot of continuity it's not like oh because this person forgave this person these good things happened it's like sometimes like like they forgive and bad things happen and bad things happen or like or they just like it's like a dead end story yeah and so it's kind of scary to think about christianity as this thing made in churches every week like preachers are preaching about things and the only way to make that happen is using this book but like taking little pieces of it and then just kind of making it say whatever you want I mean, I think that's what happens a lot. And it's like, I I think that's the only thing that could happen is what I'm saying. Like, that's what keep, what keeps it afloat is this kind of like endless rhetoric of like, okay, what can I build out of this to carry me to the next Sunday? What can I build out of this to carry me to the next Sunday? Well, and like the story of Bathsheba is like talked about a lot in those circles, like pretty much isolated from everything else in the book. Yeah. And I think what's the lesson that you usually learn with that? 
it's about temptation and mm, oh, okay. um, like what happens when you like give into temptation specifically sex temptation yeah um Ooh. you know because david gets fucked over because he of what he does with Bathsheba. Yeah. um but that story is completely taken out of context or it was when it was taught to me i guess even in the context of the whole book you could be like yeah like he gets something bad happens to him because he like has sex with Bathsheba, but it's like equally bad things happen to him for no reason for no reason and other reasons why is this one sticking out so much and why does this one get chosen you know just because yeah. it makes like the most logical sense it can it like kind of is aligned with like our general understanding of like morality and like yeah bad you know Ugh, yeah i hated this well me too but we did it and i love talking to you like it was yeah, fun i love talking to you but i that makes it the only fun. reason i read this was because i was going to get to talk to you about it later so know, me too i'm scared and i hope everyone who is maybe listening isn't dead no you guys it's gonna be great we're gonna be doing this together just come on keep listening, yeah, keep it's listening fine. okay um next week we'll be talking about first kings i think all right bye i love you i love you